Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. This is Saul Weinreb, the host for your podcast. And today we are studying the book of Ovadia, which we will cover in just this one podcast. I highly recommend that before you listen to this, that you listen to the uh, introduction to Ovadia podcast, where I discussed who this prophet was, um, why he prophesied regarding the nation of Edom and the significance of the nation of Edom itself. Please listen to that before you listen to this podcast. So let us begin with verse 1. Chazon uh, Ovadia. This is the vision of Ovadia. Ko amar Adonai Elohim. So says the Lord God. Le Edom. To the nation of Edom. So he's announcing this is this is what God says regarding Edom, actually, not so much to the nation of Edom. And then we have an announcement that seems to be set the entire world is saying, Shemu'a Shamanu, we have all heard this news, Adonai from God. Because God sent a an envoy, it can be translated, or a message, uh, a uh, an announcement to the public among all the nations has been sent out by God. And what is that message? The message has told us, Kumu, let us rise up in Akuma and let's take vengeance, Aleha, upon Edom, La Muhamma, in war. So this is interesting for several reasons. First of all, um, we had in many cases, uh, we mentioned in our introduction, the destruction of Edom and, and the punishment of Edom and the sins of Edom. But over here, and, and, and Ovadia concentrates a lot, and most of the prophets concentrate, on the enmity between Edom and Israel. If that's the case, one would think that the vengeance against Edom should be at the hands of Israel. And we do see that um, a little bit at the end of Ovadia, we'll see that a little bit. But over here in the first verse, it seems that the emphasis is on the entire world taking vengeance against Edom. Why is it that the um, focus here is on the entire world? And I'm going to say the the way um, uh, the, the what what seems to be here is, and we'll see this again in a little bit more in the next few verses, that Edom represents arrogance and pride, and they refuse. To accept the dominion and the uh, of God Himself, they refuse to accept the oneness of God, and they, through their philosophers and their wise men, have decided that they know the truth and they won't listen to others. In the future, we know, and we've seen this repeatedly throughout the prophets. The idea is that on the day of God, the day, the Yom Hashem, as we see mentioned in many prophets. The nations that are humble and are subservient and willing to accept God upon themselves will be the ones that are are saved, so to speak. The ones that are going to be part of the of the of the wonderful new world that's going to exist when the entire world has is of singular purpose and, and worships God together and builds a just and kind and righteous world. Those that are arrogant and refuse to accept God and continue to believe in themselves and continue to oppress others and continue to think that they're greater, those are the ones that are going to be destroyed. Edom, as we'll see in these next verses, is the epitome of the nation of arrogance. 
because they represent arrogance and because they represent the people who refuse to accept the oneness of God, the future day will not be just the people of Israel that will take vengeance against them. It will be all of those nations who have accepted God upon themselves that will take vengeance upon Edom as representative of those who remain arrogant and refuse to accept God in the future. And that's why there's this emphasis. And let's continue. God is saying, I punished you, Edom, because I have, and I, you see, I will make you the smallest among nations. You who are so proud and so haughty about how great you are, I'm going to make you into a nobody. I'm going to make you into the bottom of the barrel. Bazui atomaod, the verse says. You will be the most... Um, downtrodden, the most despicable, the most despised nation on earth. Zidon libcha hishi echa. The arrogance of your heart has convinced you. This is These three words here are crucial to bring out the meaning of this. Really the purpose and point of this book is to say that it is the arrogance of the heart that convinces you to into a philosophy of arrogance into a philosophy that rejects God. Those that refuse to accept God, it, they, they develop an entire philosophy, but the philosophy begins with arrogance, begins with the assumption that because they have a question that they can't answer. Remember when, when Isaiah addressed Edom, and I mentioned this in the introduction, he said, yes, you can ask questions of God. You can ask why there is evil. If there's one God, how could there be evil in this world? You can ask these questions but you still you still need to come to God. You still need to understand and be humble and realize that there are things that you won't know, things you will not understand about God. But one who is arrogant will say, I have a question and therefore I'm rejecting him. Zidon libcha hishi echa. Shochni b'chag selah merom shifto. You, Edom, you live in the clefts of the rock. This is referring to the high places. You live on the tops of the mountains all the way up there, Merom Shifto, the place of your residence is all the way high up in the mountains, the mountain of Seir, which we constantly refer to the Edomites as the people of the mountain of Seir. Omer Belibo, he says in his heart, I am so high, nobody can come up here and take me down. I'm living all the way up here, nobody could bring me down. My heart, and this is not just a physical idea of living in a high place, this is the arrogance of a, a person who thinks that he's so great that nobody could possibly take him down from his high place. However, God says no. In Takbiyah Kanesher, if you're going to be as high as an eagle, in Bein Kochavim, Simki Nechan, if you put your eagle's nest so high up, as we know eagles tend to make their nests at very high places, you can make it all the way up in the stars, so to speak. However, God says, Misham Oridcha, from there I will take you down, Oma Adonai says God, because, because your arrogance, your height, your pride, I, God, will take it down. If we remember in Amos chapter 9, we had a reference there of, if, you're, if you climb all the way up to the heavens, I'll take you down. If you dig yourself deep down into hell, I'll pull you up, no matter how high or low you go. But over here, and that was talking about the punishment of the of the evil people of Israel. But over here, the specific sin is the sin of arrogance. He only talks about people if you're going to be really high up. He doesn't say anything about what if you're going to be low down. Verse 5, 
the punishment of God is so complete and it's so devastating that it is, it's not something that happens naturally. You Edomites, you're going to say, okay, we can get punished. People can wage war against us and destroy us. But God says, no, that's different. If it were thieves and robbers that were coming to, to you to harm you, and to steal from you. If those that rode, rove around at nighttime and steal and, and, and rob, if that was just what it was, if it was just other nations coming to steal and rob and, and attack you, how is it that you've been doomed? I'm going to talk a little bit about this word in a moment. Those people, um, they generally steal and they destroy and they even kill but they only do a certain amount. It's not an utter complete destruction. In Botsrim Ba'olach, if um if people come and steal the grapes from your from your vineyards, Halo Yashiro Alelos, if you go to the field afterwards, surely you'll find some grapes that are left, some things that they've missed. Eich Nidmesa reminds us of the term um, in Isaiah chapter six, where Isaiah said when he was when he was in his vision he was among all the angels and the and the fiery angels and he said oyliki nidmesi woe is to me because nidmesi and the translation of that some assume that it's the the mem tough the the root of the word is mace which is death um it could also mean cut off it could also mean several other uh, explanations I'm going to go with the explanation of the Radak who, who says over there, Isaiah looked at all the, the fiery angels and he felt so puny. He says, woe is to me because I am, he translates it by saying cut off. I'm going to use the term doomed. I am doomed. I am, you know, I'm just completely, there's nothing, nothing here is going to be left of me. It's more than death. It's death, but nothing left. Eich Mesa over here is saying the same thing. If that's the case, if it was humans destroying and attacking you, Eichnid Mesa, how is it that you've become utterly doomed? So, um, so the, the uh, idea being that clearly the destruction coming to Edom is a destruction from God, which Edom would have said, no, no, it's just people, but no, it's God. Eichnech Pesu Esav. How is it that, um, that Esav, the the people of Edom, that is, of course, that descend from Esau, how is it that they have been so cleaned out? Niv'u matzpunav. They, um, they, uh, niv'u is to search out. Um, they're, even their hidden things, you, if thieves, if people come, then the things that are buried, the things that are hidden, they don't get. But God was, because it's God coming to do this destruction, even the things that are hidden have been cleaned out. Actually, that term "nivu" is is reminiscent of um, of the uh, searched out is reminiscent of the words that uh, Isaiah used when he was talking to the nation of Edom. It says, "If you want to search out," but there it was referring to. I mean, there's other ways to understand that, but the way I understood that was, if you are trying to search out answers, then go ahead and search out answers. But other Mepharshim, other commentaries assume that over there it also means to, um, to, to search out and destroy. Ad ha-gevul shilchucha. Until you people, you, you were so um, duped by your, um, 
enemies that they pretended to be friends the way they destroyed the people of Edom was by all of those people you made these treaties and they escorted you as if they were going to fight with you until they got all the way to the boundaries of your nation and as soon as you were out of the safety of your own nation they attacked you they convinced you they duped you the people who had made peace with you ended up besting you they ended up destroying you the people that ate your bread that you fed because you thought they were your friends they laid traps for you that you Edom you think you're so smart but I, I destroyed you in a way that demonstrated that you're anything but smart that you actually have no knowledge it because of their sin is a sin of arrogance that leads to the sin of 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 a false ideology an ideology that negates god an ideology that allows for oppression therefore god punished them in a way to show them that their that all of their wisdom is nothing and which leads to the next verse hello bayoma who no madonai on that day this is that ultimate day in the future says god I will get rid of all of those wise men of Edom, those people that preach those ideas of arrogance, those ideas that are against God, and all understanding the science. And I'm not talking about modern science. I'm talking about the supposed science of the Edomites, the kind of science that denies and defies the oneness of God. I'm going to destroy them from the mountain of Esau. And your strong people, Taman, it's often and nowadays it, it translates to Yemen, but it was uh, apparently a province of Asa. Um, all of your strong people will will become afraid. They'll become scared. They'll become demoralized. Lamani kores mikatel, and that so in order that what so that what will happen in the end is that all people will be destroyed. Every man will be destroyed from the mountains of Asa. They will all not the none will survive the slaughter why is this what's the problem because you have oppressed and you have um, taken uh, through power and force from your brother Jacob this is the key he's your brother he's the one that you should have fought on his side he's the one that you should have learned from he's the one that you should have learned with he's the one that you should have helped and he would have helped you but no instead you oppressed him therefore you will be covered you will be in, uh, I, I like the translation I see in the Jewish publication society and it will be engulfed with embarrassment and you will be destroyed forever and that day when you stood opposite and watched as those other nations came to destroy Jerusalem when 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 the um the Zarim strange countries came from across the world, destroyed Jerusalem and took away its 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 wealth. The Nachrim Ba'usharav and strange and different other people and is emphasizing the strangeness of them because Edom, you're not strange to them. You're closely related to them. You're you're like them. These others came from outside. They came into their gates. And they cast lots over Jerusalem to decide who takes what. I take this, you take that. And you acted like them. Instead of acting to Jerusalem like you were their brother and defending them and standing on their side or at least mourning their destruction, you 
with glee stood by and watched as others divided up the spoils. How could you look at your uh, and how could you look at your brother on the day that he was treated as a stranger? Um, uh, so it, it's the it's a several ways to translate and I'm deliberately translating it this way Nahro because it chooses the root of the word is Nechar they were treated as a stranger strangers are supposed to act, not supposed to but strangers may sometimes act this way towards others that they are, they are different but you you're not supposed to be a stranger it's, for you it's Yom it's your brother you should not be happy regarding the people of Judah on the day that they are destroyed. And how could you raise your voice and jeer and make fun uh, during the days that they are suffering? Over here, the double language, and B'nai Yehuda, seems to be a reference to the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Over here, it's not that clear, but in several upcoming verses, it will be much more clear that he's referring to both. Don't you come, and it seems that the people of Edom, after the other enemies came, they snuck in afterwards, and and also, not necessarily snuck in, but they followed in afterwards, and joined in on the party, so to speak, and they also went and made the people suffer. How is it that you came? Why is it that you could enter the the gates of my nation on the day, the day that they that they fell to disaster? Alteragam ato how is it that you also came and committed evil to them on the day of their disaster? And how is it that you also came and took from the spoils? So not only did you stand by and jeer, did you stand by and watch, did you stand by and not help? Once they were down, you came in and rubbed them in the dirt and took even more. How is it that you stood on the crossroads as the people were coming, as the refugees were running from the attacking armies, and you cut down the refugees as they were running away, you should have at least offered them shelter, taken them in, but instead you cut them down. Not only that, the ones that were remainders, you took them, either cut them down or you took them captive on their day of suffering instead of supporting them and helping them. And, and, and you, you should not and and, it, and it, the awfulness of how you acted was so terrible. Why? Um, because I don't know. I mean, obviously it was terrible. But But you should know that this the day of God, which is a concept which you've seen in several of the of the um, of the prophets. The day of God karov is coming very soon. I'll call Hagayim on all of the nations. The day of judgment is coming soon on everyone. This goes back to what we said in the first verse. The day of judgment is for everyone. All of those nations that will accept God, that will be humble, they will all be um, part of the new world order, so to speak. But those that do not, those that remain arrogant, will be punished. And therefore, since that day of God, that day of judgment is coming for all the nations, that which you have done to them, Yeah will be done to you, Adam Gimuchoyoshubroshecha. That which you gave and did to others will land back on your own heads. just like you drank of the cup of on from my mountain, this the cup, so to speak, you drank of the almost the blood or you drank the 
the um, wealth of the people of Jerusalem, Yishtu kol hagayim tamid, so shall all those nations that came to attack them drink from that cup. But this cup they will drink until they're exhausted and completely drunk. And eventually they'll become like nothing, like they never even existed in the first place. This is very reminiscent of what Isaiah said in, in 4.3 where he said, um, 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 uh, no, I'm sorry, Isaiah 51, where, where he talked about the kos hatar elah, the, the bowl or the cup of suffering that they will drink from. That those you know, and and, and that um, and that the people that are good, the people that are saved, um, he said, the cup of my anger you will no longer drink. So the evil people are drinking this cup, which will end up being like a poison for them, as opposed to being um, a good wine or a good drink. and on the mountain of Zion, Plata, there will be a remnant, Bahaya Kodesh, and it will be holy. This is very, very reminiscent again of what Isaiah said, and this is where it was in chapter 4, verse 3, where Isaiah said, The remnant that remains in Zion, and the remnant in Jerusalem, will be called holy. Obadiah is saying the same idea. There will be a remnant, and it will be called Kodesh. And the house of Jacob will inherit, will um, get rid of Esmorashahem, those who had gotten rid of them before. Vahaya Beis Yaakov Eish, and the house of Jacob will be like a fire, Uves Yosef Lehava, and the house of Joseph will be like a flame, Uves Esav Lakash. But the house of Esav, the people of Edom, will be the straw, and the fire of the people of Beit Yaakov and Beit Yosef, which sounds a lot like the northern and the southern kingdom. That fire will consume the people of Edom, the Dolkubahem, and it will light them and burn them, the Achalom, and destroy them. There will be not a remnant of the house of Esau, so has God spoken. Uh, and those that live in the south, uh, the, uh, the Negev region of Israel, will inherit the Edom, which is adjacent to the south of Israel and just slightly east to it. Yashvela, those that live in the Shafela region will inherit as Pelishtim, the Philistines, Yashua, the Ephraim, and they will inherit the remnant of Israel, will inherit the northern fields of Ephraim, the Estate Shomron, and the fields of Shomron, uh, of Samaria, of Binyamin, and So he specifically emphasizes here again that the people will inherit the southern portions and the northern portions of the kingdom. This, is, this next verse, verse 20, is a little difficult to translate. But here it is. Vigalus hachel hazel levnei Yisrael asher kinaanim ad sorfas, and the um, I'm going to translate it mostly like the Radak as follows: the exiled ones of this great force, or the chel being the large group of the of the people of Israel. So the ex so there's this huge force of the people of Israel that are getting attacked and are running away at this at the day of destruction, and those that are exiled, meaning those that have been been survived but scattered through the world they were scattered together with the or into the lands of the Canaanim of the Canaanites 
that are scattered around the world so far ad sorfas until the place called sorfat now sorfat in modern hebrew means france so on if if this still the same uh, area would be, but but it presumably does not mean france uh in, in this verse but Sarfat means some place called Sarfat, but a faraway place. In other words, that Golos that had been exiled all the way out there in all the places where the Canaanites have been exiled as well, all the way to Sarfat, the Golot Yerushalayim, and the exiled ones of the people of Jerusalem, Asher Bisforad, that have been exiled to places so far out like Sforad, which, which in, again in modern Hebrew means uh, Spain. But whether it means Spain in this verse or not is a different, is probably not, but some other faraway place. And over here, the Golos Achel Hazel Levnei Yisrael is one. That's the northern kingdom. The Golos Yerushalayim, that's the southern kingdom. So again, he's referring to those Israelites from the ten tribes and those Israelites from Judah as well. But those people, they will... Um, Yarshu, Yirshu, they will come and inherit Esaria Negev, the cities of the southern regions of Israel. In other words, they will all come back. And once they come back, they will then, those that are, those, those uh, liberators will climb onto the mountain of Zion and liberate it, Lishpodes Harisov, in order to bring justice finally to the mountains of Esav and Edom, Haisola, Adonai Hamulucha, and the kingdom will then belong to God and no one else but God, because those that denied him, those that were too arrogant to accept him, are gone. Thank you so much for studying the book of Ovadia together. Looking forward to continuing to study the minor prophets and all of the prophets together.